Hello and welcome back to the Coming Up Winners Podcast. I am your host, Jason McIntyre of FS1, Fox Sports Radio, TheBigLead.com, and I'm joined, as always, by my better half here on the Sports Gambling Podcast, Andrew Lynch. He's got a big grin ear-to-ear from that Monday night chaotic finish between Denver and Kansas City. Lynch, how are you feeling? This might be the best weekend of 2018. I cannot wait. Yes, to your point, you cashed Denver plus five and a half on Monday night. Woo! I cashed KC minus three and a half Woo! Monday night. Great. And now we've got Thursday night football on Fox, Colts Patriots. We've got the biggest UFC fight ever this weekend. Oh, and the baseball playoffs are starting up as well. I'm thrilled. I've got the NFL week hasn't even started and I've got 10 bets on the books already. This is a good <laughs> 10 already. 10 already. Let's go. This is a good weekend like to get started. Go to the grocery store today, load up on unhealthy stuff, drink so you don't need to leave your pad. I mean, there's just so much sports And, of course, there's so much gambling, so many great opportunities. Let's get started, Lynch, with my favorite segment of the podcast, Put Up or Shut Up. You know the drill by now in Put Up or Shut Up. You pick the game. I pick the side. You just send it to me via social media. Hashtag Put Up or Shut Up. This week's games at T. Nicholson 21. Now, uh, Mr. Nicholson... Lynch. I don't know that I this is a tough one. He he sent Vikings at Eagles, Eagles favored by three. And I have looked at this game in the super contest. Okay. And initially I'm thinking, you know, I kind of like the Vikings here. This is a tough spot, and we'll dive into it in a minute. But I, I'm hot in the super contest, but I don't want to get in front of a potential train like the Eagles. However, Why I like the Vikings, and I think my bet here is going to be Vikings plus three. Mr. Nicholson, I will be going Vikings plus three. I know Dalvin Cook is iffy. Uh, He's hurt again. He's got a hamstring issue. But he barely had the ball against the Rams. They still put up 446 yards, 6.3 yards per play. Why I like the Vikings, Kirk Cousins' familiarity with the Eagles. Playing with the Redskins last year, he had a lot of success against this Eagles defense. And... His offensive coordinator, John Filippo, a guy I went to college with uh, at JMU. Name drop. Yeah. <laughs> Filippo, of course, was the quarterback coach of Carson Wentz last year with the Eagles. And I do believe there is some problems with the Philly offense. Let me give you some numbers here real quick. Carson Wentz, by the way, fumbled against the Titans last week. Fumbled two weeks ago against the Colts. And Philly's off to a slow start in the red zone. Last year, second best team in the NFL in red zone touchdown, 64%. This year, and I know Nick Foles started the first uh, first couple games, they're down to 57%, 17th in the NFL. Something about the offense doesn't look right. They're down at 26th in yards per play. I do believe the revenge game is at play. You know, there is the narrative that while the Vikings are in disarray, they can't stop anybody. Lynch, have at it. I'm going with the Vikings, plus three. You know, even when you're wrong, you really know how to get me on your side by (laughs) referencing yards per play. My heart just warms every single time you do. Uh, Remind me and the listeners, you had to to pay out one bet to our fine audience last week, right? So this is going to be two. Oh, Um, stop it. I do do think we're in for a close game here. And yeah, the Eagles have issues. This is not the same team that we saw in the Super Bowl last year. But are we sure Minnesota's defense is any good? Oh. They're 25th in DVOA right now, 20th against the run, 25th against the pass. That's not great. They're not excelling in any aspect of the game on defense. 
And in the past six games, Minnesota has given up almost 29 points per game, over 300 yards passing, and over 100 yards rushing. Uh, uh, Okay, hold on. Let me interject. So, very good points about the Vikings defense, but I want to ask you, does that have to do with the first place schedule? Okay, we they face now Aaron Rodgers and the greatest show in the NFL, uh, the Rams. At the same time, they did face Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. But uh, can you kill them for this defensive slow start? No, but there is one particular area of focus that I'm concerned about and I think probably gets Philly the cover here, and that's Minnesota's inability to cover the tight end so far this year. You mentioned Buffalo, right? Josh Allen's lone passing touchdown in that game came to Jason Crump, Buffalo's tight end. They gave up 90 yards passing to George Kittle, the 49ers tight end. They gave up 95 yards to Jimmy Graham against Green Bay. They're 28th in the league in DVOA against tight ends on defense. So I think Zach Ertz is going to have a breakout game here. I think he's going to help get Carson Wentz back into into a rhythm. Um, I like Eagles minus three here. Let me ask you, do you have any concern about the loss of Eagles safety Rodney McLeod? Now, I know he's not a household name outside of Philadelphia, but we've seen the Atlanta Falcons lose a couple safeties. And that secondary just falls apart. There used to be the situation in the NFL where the middle linebacker was like the quarterback of the defense. That's not the case anymore. Safeties matter way more. The league is pass heavy. I just wonder, against Kirk Cousins, who's got two great receivers and a good tight end, is this loss at safety going to be a big uh, situation? Remember, Marcus Mariota just had a very good game in the second half in overtime. It's a really good point. I think, you know... If the Vikings do cover here, that's probably your saving grace. Uh, I'm not concerned about it against Kirk Cousins necessarily. It's definitely something to watch into week six, week seven, going going down the rest of the season. Okay, so Lynch does not advocate me betting against Mr. Nicholson. I took the Vikings plus three. Let's get to the next game. At AC Nelson, 93. Now, this is our first big spread here, Lynch. He bet me Nebraska at Wisconsin, the Badgers. Producer Conrad's Badgers favored by 20 and a half. That's a huge number. Three TDs in a college football game where, and, and, and some concern about this, but I do believe Wisconsin could be in a look-ahead spot. Badgers travel to Michigan next week, okay? So, I, you know, the, the look-ahead stuff does scare me a tad. I think I'm sticking with the Badgers here. Because Nebraska is just a mess. I'm a big Scott Frost fan. I think big picture, they'll be fine. But a true freshman going on the road to Wisconsin. Producer Conrad knows the that situation. Well, what do they call it? The, uh, the, uh, the House of Pain song comes on to start the fourth quarter. The jump around. It gets chaotic there. I'm going to go with the Badgers. Favored by 20 and a half. Mr. Nelson, when you lose this bet. You're going to have to give us a five-star review, and you're going to have to tweet out how awesome this podcast is, how great Lynch's sneaker collection is. We're just going to want and demand all the love. So those are the two bets in hashtag put up or shut up. I took the Vikings plus three. I took the Badgers favored by 20 and a half. We'll see how they do this weekend. All right, I'll call the two grand. I'll gamble. Don't splash the pot. Next up, good bet, bad bet. We will dive into games that, A, I'm considering in the Super Contest, and B, games that Mr. Lynch may or may not have already bet. Producer Conrad, what's first up? First up, we have the Dallas Cowboys heading to Houston, who's three-and-a-half-point favorites. So my inclination, Lynch, here was, first off, well, why not Dallas? Uh, You get the better defense. You get the better running game. Uh, I don't like anything about the Texans' 
defense. I mean, the secondary is abysmal. But then I take a couple days. I dig into it. I see the number has ticked up to three and a half. Okay? That hook is interesting. The public is going to come in on the Cowboys. We know that. They're the most public team in the NFL. And that's why I start to look closer at the Houston Texans. And would you believe that they have a really good run defense? Okay? So if this defense is going to be able to shut down Zeke, you're now forcing Dak to beat you in the air. Can he do that? I mean, we've well chronicled on this podcast his struggles through the air. Couldn't get to 185 yards. You know, no receivers getting separation. I know he kind of got well there late at the end against the Lions. But do you trust Dak against his secondary? And then the other part is, listen, Dallas's secondary's had some problems. Matthew Stafford and Golden Tate just torched him. Well, what's Will Fuller going to do? Assuming Will Fuller's healthy. Jeez, please stay healthy, Will Fuller. And and I don't like a lot about the Texans. I think this is a battle of two really bad coaches. We know Bill O'Brien, my goodness, how many times did he nearly lose that game last? You know, they were up, I think it was 28-3 against the Colts. And they were just like, ah, oh, we'll just mail it in from here. We'll just run the ball. And, and next thing you know, the Colts storm back and force overtime. Uh, my lean here is Texans by three and a half. I'm not going to make it an official play yet. I want to see what happens with some injuries here, especially Will Fuller. But I like Texans favored by three and a half. Yeah, I think that's a solid bet. Three and a half is a little tough. Some books still have this at Houston minus three, and I really like that bet. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can get it at minus three, please shop around because that's where you're really going to get your value. I do hate it when you look at my notes, J-Mac. Like you said, Houston's run defense is really the, the key here. They're second in the NFL by DVOA against the run. Ooh. And the Dallas offensive line as we well know, is leaky at best this year. Still no Travis Frederick. And here's center. the really interesting thing there. Joe Looney's done a great job of filling in for Travis or for Frederick. He really has. He's not the cerebral center who can call out every defensive alignment that Frederick is, but he's done a really good job. He's graded out as one of the top 10 centers in the NFL so far this season uh, by Pro Football Focus's metrics. The problem is some of these other guys. like Zach Martin against Seattle was abysmal he he was not the the offensive lineman that we're used to seeing over the past couple of seasons and then on the flip side you mentioned some concerns with the Dallas defense this Cowboys defense much like the Vikings is probably overrated and the the metrics reflect that in kind of a weird way Dallas is fourth in the NFL in yards per play on defense they're really holding teams uh to subpar offensive performances they're eighth in points allowed but they're 20th in the NFL in defense by DVOA. Why? Why do these fan stats huh. point towards a really great defense and some of them point towards a bottom third defense? Well, the Cowboys have had a lot of variance. They gave up a ton of yards to the Detroit Lions and then have held their other three teams, the Giants, the Seahawks, and the Panthers, in check in terms of how many yards they've been getting. They lost a couple of those games, but their yards per play ended up reflecting well on the defense. Yeah. And then the other thing is they've played three of the 10 worst offenses in the NFL okay. by DVOA in talking. Detroit, in the Giants, and in the Seahawks. So while yards per play is a great stat, sometimes you want to dig a little deeper. I think this Cowboys defense is going to struggle to slow down Deshaun Watson, who's averaging 356 yards per game over the past three games since he kind of shook off the rust in week one. I loved Houston, minus three here. 
Minus three and a half, probably still solid value. Now, I do I should add David Irving, the great uh, defensive lineman of the Cowboys. He's back from suspension this week. We know Demarcus Lawrence is a monster, and the Houston offensive line, also leaky. So this seems like a, a tough one. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm with you, Lynch. At three, I like it. I don't know in the Super Contest. I, I don't know if it's three or three and a half in the Super Contest. But I don't like the hook there because this does feel like a, all right, last possession wins kind of deal. So uh, we're kind of on the same side there. Next up, producer Conrad. Next up, we have the Baltimore Ravens who are minus three at the Cleveland Browns. Now, I do love this one, and I can say with some confidence I will be taking the Ravens in the Super Contest. I absolutely love everything about this Ravens team. And I do know there is a little bit of a public feel to Baltimore now, especially after the big Sunday night win over the Steelers. This is a Ravens defense, number one in yards per play. Lynch's favorite stat, 4.4. And that's also facing Andy Dalton, who's very good, and the Steelers, who are very good. Now, I also want to add, I know people are excited about Baker Mayfield. I do want to say, pump the brakes a little bit. I know he put up big numbers against Oakland. They're one of the worst defenses in the league. And Baker and the Browns had four turnovers. Four turnovers, okay? He's going to be going against a nasty Ravens defense. Wink Martindale has done a tremendous job this year. And what do the Ravens do against rookie quarterbacks? Well, it's funny you should ask that, Jason. I'm going to answer my own question. They faced Deshaun Kaiser twice last year. Absolutely just confused the heck out of him. They were plus seven in turnovers twice last year. The Ravens were against this Browns team. I, I think Baker Mayfield's in for a rude awakening. Baltimore, by the way, gets its best cornerback, Jimmy Smith, back from suspension. And my final note here, okay? Last week against the Browns defense, Jared Cook had a monster game. So did Amari Cooper for the Raiders. Well, I'm keep an eye. Here's a fantasy nugget for you. John Brown. Really having an emerging season with the Ravens. He's got six catches of 20 or more yards. Very explosive. And the Ravens love the tight end. Max Williams having a good season so far. Rookie Mark Andrews, the All-American from Oklahoma. And they get Hayden Hurst, their first-round draft pick back. I just have a feeling that the Ravens really, really roll the Browns here as a wake-up call that this team looks like a contender in the AFC. How dare you, sir? How dare you denigrate my large adult son, Baker Mayfield? How dare you? This is an atrocious bet. Only because the Browns were one-point favorites when it opened. Or excuse me. Only because the Ravens oh, were yes, one-point yes, yes. favorites when it opened, as opposed to the minus three that they are now. Yeah. There was a 30-minute window there where you could get a ton of value on Baltimore. Um, if you're listening, I hope you were able to seize that moment. If you weren't, and if you you know like to really mix it up in the gambling world, keep an eye on those early lines. Sunday afternoon when the lines come out, that's going to be your Best opportunity to score some real value most okay. so of the time. So let me ask. You got Ravens favored by one. It's now at three. Is this a stay away for you at three? No, it's not. I, I mean, I think the Baltimore probably covers the minus three anyway. Look, the only way that Cleveland stays in this game is if they turn Joe Flacco over. The Ravens, via Odd Shark, uh, one of our betting site partners, are 55-23-2 against the spread. A 70% cover rate when Joe Flacco doesn't throw a pick. Woo! kind of obvious but it's striking how much that flips when he does throw at least one interception they only cover 36 percent of the time when he throws at least one pick now the browns are a top three defense in the nfl at turning the, the other team over 
But they're without Terrence Mitchell, who fractured his forearm in week four, starting cornerback. They've had some injuries in the secondary already this season. This is a bet at minus three that the Browns aren't able to force Joe Flacco into a turnover. But that really is the bet to me. Now, uh, it, it, that, that's really interesting on Flacco, obviously, because I love the Ravens in this spot. This means he's going to throw a first quarter interception, obviously. Uh, but let, let me ask you, you mentioned something about the Browns and turnovers. They lead the league in turnover margin right now. How much of that is because of the big what, five or six that Big Ben gave him in the, in the opener? Four of which were fumbles, all of which were recovered by Cleveland. As we talked fumble about, luck! as we talked about in the very first episode of this podcast, fumble luck is a thing. Forcing fumbles is a skill, but recovering fumbles is not as much of a skill because once the ball is on the ground, it bounces in weird place, weird directions. Different players are in the vicinity of the ball. So fumble recovery tends to come down 50-50. Cleveland has recovered about 80% of the fumbles so far this okay. season. This is. Uh, I hope this doesn't come off as a hot take because people are going to get angry when, I, when they hear it. And I'm going to ask you, Lynch, after seeing Baker turn it over four times against one of the worst defenses in the league, would the Browns have a better chance of staying in this game going to Tyrod Taylor? Now, they're not going to go to Tyrod Taylor, but historically, he has been a guy who doesn't turn the football over. A rookie quarterback against the best defense in the NFL. Is it crazy for me to suggest, and I know long-term, Baker's obviously the guy, but if you want to stay in this game, Tyrod Taylor, who's averse to turnovers, is a better better option than Baker Mayfield. You just keep making my day, J-Mac. You open the door to a poker analogy. Oh! Okay. All right. Say you decide you want to enter the World Series of Poker, and it's 2002, and Doyle Brunson is at the top of his game. Just can't. No one can beat Dolly. He's winning hands with 10-2 offsuit left oh. and right. Well, say you decided you really want to take down Doyle. What's your best strategy? Do you play the very best tightest game that you can trying to play each hand to the best of your ability or do you introduce a little bit of variance and try to make big plays and go all in in situations where he's not expecting it and mix it up and try to confuse him well the numbers from an expected value and game theory perspective kind of tend toward the latter mm -hmm. in fact uh there was a poker player who a friend's wife came to him and she said i want to play in the world series of poker main event i know it's a ten thousand dollar buy-in what is the strategy that is going to allow me to have the most fun and potentially go the deepest? And so this poker player came up with all a list of hands, all the potential starting hands in Texas Hold'em. And he said, at this threshold, if you have these two cards, you go all in before the flop. And if you don't, if it's worse than that hand, you fold. That's not a winning long-term poker right. play. But for someone who is a decided underdog, it's the best edge they could get. I think in this situation with the Ravens and the Browns, Terod Taylor is your play tight, safe. play smart, play safe. You're not going to beat a team that is that much better than you playing safe. Get Baker out there, have him take some big shots, throw some haymakers, and see if big play potential can carry you to a That's win. That's great. Can I ask how that woman did in the World Series of Poker? She cashed. Really? Yep. She, I mean, she didn't make it into you know a final table or anything, but she cashed that year. Good analogy, Lynch. All right, so uh, final game, producer Conrad. This one is interesting. Oh, yeah. We have the Green Bay Packers at the Lions for a pick -em. Now, this game's been moving all over the board. It was one. It was two. When we started recording this podcast, it was at two. It's down to pick -em. That could be, could be, because of the injuries to the Packers, okay? Their top three receivers are not practicing. Devontae Adams, a calf injury. 
Randall Cobb, who missed the Bills game, he's got a hamstring. Geronimo Allison in concussion protocol. Now, that's not just their top three receivers. That's Aaron Rodgers' top three targeted guys. They are also the guys Rodgers looks to when he needs a first down. They lead the Packers in first down receptions. These are significant injuries. Now, I don't know if you want to qualify this as a cluster injury. Uh, I know that's a big talking point for some of these sports gamblers. I still like the Packers here. I'm sorry. I do believe that the play for Green Bay will be ground and pound. Aaron Jones, the uh, second year back out of UTEP. Last year, he emerged. He had showed flashes. Big game against Dallas for a buck 25. Went for 131 against the Saints this year. Limited action. I believe he's had a suspension. Uh, 6.3 yards per carry. We just saw the Lions give up a buck 50 to Zeke. Okay? And the Cowboys. I believe the Packers are going to come out. I, I actually like the under here. Uh, I can see Green Bay controlling the ball, controlling the clock, keeping Matt Stafford and the potentially explosive Lions off the field. I, I just think Aaron Rodgers will throw when he needs to. He's got Jimmy Graham, fantasy plug for my team. I like the Packers at Pickham. Now, I, a word of caution, okay? Uh, we've talked a lot about this on this podcast about the Pickham League that I'm in. Remember uh, last year, or last week I said, if 70% or more of the people in the Pickham League are taking this team, look the other way. To recap, week two, teams getting 70 or more percent, one in four against the spread. Week three, teams getting 70 or more percent, one in five against the spread. Last week, Teams getting 70 or more percent. One, three, and one. I'm going to throw this to you, Lynch. Uh, there are five teams this week, and the Green Bay Packers, road favorites slash pick em, are getting 76% of the picks in this pick em league I'm in. And I'm going with the chalky guys. I, I, I just can't take the Lions here. Give me the Packers. Yeah, I think the Packers is a great bet here. Uh, when we first saw this line, you and I texted back and forth for half an hour. What are we missing here? What are we missing here? The only thing we could really come to, uh, with a little bit of help from producer Conrad, was the injuries to the wide receivers. Because when I see a line like this that just doesn't make any sense to me, I would take the Packers probably all the way up to minus four here. Whoa! That, that was where I had the line on my original uh, my look-ahead lines uh, this weekend. I thought the Packers were a clear favorite here. So I start looking at all of the individual metrics that I really like and comparing the two teams. And is there something that I'm missing? Well, we go to DVOA. That's where I start. You know, a, a catch-all metric that adjusts for opponent strength and it adjusts for a game situation. For To me, it doesn't get much better than that. Well, Green Bay is a top 10 team. They're the 10th in the NFL. Detroit is a bottom five team. They're 27th in the NFL by DVOA. Okay, so by that metric alone, Green Bay as a pick'em is an easy play for me. Yards per play, margin between what a team is uh, accumulating in yards per play offensively and what they're giving up defensively. Both teams, yards per play margin, 0.2. So there's no edge there. Mm -hmm. Pro Football Reference has a stat, simple rating system. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I will glance at it for kind of a, a quick measure of how two teams stack up. The Green Bay Packers have a minus one where... The bigger the number, the, the more positive the number, the better. The Packers are just about at zero. They're at minus 1.4. The Lions are minus 6.9. Wow. You just keep going down the list. Combined pressure rate, which is a stat that combines a uh, team's offensive line, how well they're protecting the quarterback, and then how well they're getting to the, uh, the opposing quarterback. Packers have the edge. Adjusted line yards, which looks at how much an offensive line is affecting uh, running backs production. 
Packers have the edge. Turnover rate, Packers have the edge. So for me, I'm going to make this a multiple unit bet. Yes, the injuries to the wide receivers kind of scare me off, but short of the biggest name wide receivers in the NFL, the ABs, the Julio Jones, even yeah. when he's not catching touchdown passes, they don't affect a line very much. You can be missing two or three wide receivers and see maybe a half point of line movement, especially with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who I think is going to be able to still find open guys and be able to matriculate the ball down okay, the field. So, so Lynch, this is what I love about everything you just said. And if you listen closely, this goes into process and how you look at this. I mean, you mentioned a lot of great numbers. Let me ask you this. Vegas has its own number system, right? How can they see the numbers that you see and be so on the pick em negative one? Does this have to do with recency, not recency bias, but like the Lions are trending better than they had early in the season. They looked unwatchable after the Jets game. And even after week two, they, they, you know, they lost to the Niners. They're trending better. Do you think... Vegas could be weighing what Detroit's done recently. They nearly beat Dallas, and of course they beat the Patriots, versus you know how they were in the first two games. Because I'm struggling to come to a conclusion why this isn't three or four, like you said. It certainly could be that, in so much as it's reflected in how the public is betting. Perception. The one thing that Vegas has to account for that we don't is where the money is coming in and how they use that to try to find a middle and make money off the VIG. Now, I do want to say really quickly, that whole concept is overstated. Yes, books do look to get to a spot where they can make money either way, mm -hmm. but every odds maker on the planet wants to be right. right. These are very competitive people, very proud people who take a lot of pride in the numbers that they put out there. So yeah, most books would love to make money just on the VIG, but what they'd love even more is to take your money on the VIG when you're cashing a winning bet and get 70% of the other tickets. Um, so while the public's perception of a team does impact a Vegas line, don't necessarily think that that is a huge factor in any one game. So for me, last week we talked about the Bears-Bucks. We looked at that line, we said... Something's not adding up. This is all screaming Chicago Bears, and they rolled. I don't know that the Packers will roll like that on the road, but that's how I feel about it. So those are our three uh, good bet, bad bet. We are both on Houston, favored by three. We don't love three and a half as much against Dallas. Uh, I love Baltimore, favored by three against the Browns. Lynch got Baltimore, favored by one. The line moved quickly, and it's not coming down. And Packers... Lions, uh, again, at the time of this taping of the podcast, it's pick them. Packers-Lions, keep an eye on the injuries. I don't think the Lions will be favored at any point here during the weekend. Right? Wait, were we on the same side on all three of these? I think so. I quit. I'm out of here. <laughs> no, wait, uh, Lynch, I want to ask. You don't think the line swings to Detroit favored at any point? There's just no way, right? There is a way. Um, just real quick, this is 21% sharp Detroit. They're getting 31% of the bets at the moment, but 52% of the money. Uh, we're at pick them so minus 110 right now. All over Detroit. This could tick to Detroit yeah. minus one. And see, this is I don't want to be the guy who's trying to outsmart the sharp professional guys who do this for a living. I do. I just, <laughs> I just think that this running game for Green Bay really shows up, and Detroit can't stop the run. We know that. All right, let's move on. Say it with your chest. 
Thursday night football, I don't know if we'll get as good of a game as last week, Lynch. Uh, last week, of course, the Rams-Vikings classic. I mean, that game was thrilling from start to finish. This week, we get uh, Colts at Patriots. Colts getting 10, 10 and a half. Really depends on where you're shopping. And as Lynch has said repeatedly on this podcast, shop around. Okay, folks? I... I got to say, I open thinking Colts instantly. I'm like, I know they don't have T.Y. Hilton. No big deal. Hey, double-digit dogs this season, 4-1 and one against the spread. And you love this Colts team. I, I do. You know I'm enamored with uh, Andrew Luck. Great I word. B- big fan of Frank Reich. This is just a bad spot. Now, we talk about perception. Spot. Think about this, Lynch. Colts just played an overtime game. That's an extra quarter of NFL. Against the Texans. And they came out on the losing side. Really tough one. Now you've got to go on the road to a Patriots team getting healthy. Okay? Edelman comes off suspension. Meanwhile, Colts, no T.Y. Hilton. Jack Doyle, their tight end. Again, missing another game. Patriots run game. Sony Michelle, 112 against the Dolphins. Everything screams Patriots here. I initially wanted to go with Andrew Luck. I'm like, 10 and a half. You come in the back door, you're down 17 late. You know, you get a you get a garbage time touchdown and cover. And I was texting with a buddy last night. We both thought Colts initially, and I'm he starts sending me these trends, and I I tell him I don't put a lot of stock in trends. Okay, new coach for the Colts, right? Andrew Luck didn't play last year. Just throw out everything. But then he hit me with this: Bill Belichick, seven and one on Thursday nights. Remember, short week. Belichick, one of the best coaches in NFL history, winning by an average of eighteen points. And for me. You know, I don't want to be scared of one trend guy, but I don't think I can invest in the Colts tonight at plus 10 or plus 10 and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if this ticked up to 11, maybe even 12. The public's going to be all over the Patriots tonight. And and my last thing for you, Lynch, the Colts have no running game to lean on. None. They do not have a 20-yard rush from a running back this season. Andrew Luck has their longest carry of 33 yards I mean, I'll come back for more Colts points later, but Lynch, can you invest in the Colts tonight? I can't invest in the Colts, and this is a really, really tough line. And I think this is an example of Vegas using what we, the public, know against us because they know exactly what we know. They know everything. And they know what how we're going to interpret that information. They know Julian Edelman's back. They know we think Josh Gordon probably gets involved in the offense this week. They know that we know that the Patriots treat September like an extended preseason. I like that. They know that we know that Tom Brady is 8 and 2 against the spread in his last 10 games at home. They know that we know that the Patriots are 9 and 2 against the spread in their last 11 games as 10 plus point favorites. So there's a lot of information here. Again, I had this one at Patriots kind of minus 7 and a half, minus 7. Wow. I I probably take New England at the minus 10. It's now ticked back up to minus 10 and a half. A lot of money on this game, um, which is great. Everyone should be watching Thursday Night yes. Football on Fox. I It's a tough, tough line. I'm going to roll with the Patriots here. Vegas has done a great job of juicing this line, and they're probably going to get me. So this is one where I, I feel fairly confident in my pick. 
honestly, I just want to get some skin in the game tonight on a Thursday night. Um, so I'm only going a half unit here with the Patriots at minus 10. Yeah, uh, you made a good point. So you made this line, your number is seven and a half. So you're paying a big tax if you want to back the Patriots tonight. Uh, is, there an un- is there a play on the total? An over on? I mean, this feels like, listen, Colts sleepwalk in after the overtime game, short week on the road, you know, and they, it, it, 27-10, you know, 31-10. So I, I guess if I would look to the total and probably play the under here, under 50, it's open, look like at 53 and a half. So there's a lot of money on the under. I just don't see, I don't see offensive fireworks coming in this one, especially from a beat up Colts team. Yeah, I, the Colts are, have a top 10 defense so far this season, but they're dealing with some really weird injuries that I think, you know, potentially if you're a half step slow against the Patriots, that could kill you very, very quickly. I think this play is probably the over here, honestly. 50's, oh. Yeah, 50 is a really good number. Uh, I think this is going to be a back-and-forth game. Um, I'm hoping for it because that would make for a fun Thursday night one. Well, the Dolphins could not move the ball last week. Let's see if Andrew Luck can do it. So there you have it. No official play. I would lean to the under. Lynch would lean to the over. And Lynch, you would go at, you said a half unit. Yeah, I actually, um, you can, if you want, you can follow my action on the Action Network app, which I, they're a third party, but I love the Action Network. Um, they're friends of ours. I love their app. Um, but yeah, you can follow me at uh, Andrew Leo Lynch. Um, all my actions there. I've got a half unit on the Patriots at minus 10. They're coming off a winning week, 3 1 and 1, right? Uh, 3-1-2. 3-1-2, yeah. That's winning, folks. Baby, you are so money, and you don't even know it. Next up, we're going to buzz through my college football picks. J-Max, Saturday slate. I'm sorry uh, giving out a 1-4 and four last week. Listen, it happens. Okay, I was off to a good start. 1-4 and four last week. Now, 15-13. and 13. Not that profitable yet. However... Producer Conrad hates my picks this week, and he's good on college, so maybe I'm due for another losing week. Let's go through them quickly. I'm going to get started here. I'm going chalky, getting chalky with it. Texas A&M, favored by 6.5. Now, Texas A&M, I had them last week. They led Arkansas 17-0, and Jimbo Fisher, I guess, was just like, all right, let's, let's, let's forget about this. We got this in the bag. They didn't cover. However, they're at home against a Kentucky team. Listen, Kentucky's undefeated, and they're getting 6.5. I would assume the professionals will be on Kentucky here. I've got to go with Jimbo Fisher. I know I said it last week. If he can cover against Clemson and Alabama, I've got to back him. And I'm not a huge Jimbo Fisher fan. I'll go with Texas A&M, favored by six and a half. Next up, Arizona State. Herm Edwards, my man. Fun Herm Edwards anecdote. I was a young reporter at a newspaper. They threw me a bone and said, hey, go cover Jets practice. In front of like 45 reporters, I ask Herm Edwards a question, and people look at me like, who's this kid? And Herm Edwards looks me in the eye and goes, that's a good question, young man. And I was like, I like this guy, Herm Edwards. Capital uh, J, journalist, yes, J-Mac. Yes, back in the day when I was a, a newspaper journalist. So I'm going with Herm Edwards here. This is a play against Colorado. Arizona State's a two-and-a-half-point dog at Colorado. I know they've lost twice on the road to San Diego State and Washington. Colorado's a paper tiger. 4-0. Their opponents have one win. They beat winless Nebraska, winless UCLA, winless New Hampshire, and uh, 1-4 Colorado State. I'm taking the fighting Herm Edwards on the road. Really hope you're wrong on that one. Bear down. 
Oh, boy. Okay, Texas getting eight in the – is it the Red River Rivalry or the Red River Shootout? It is the Red River Red River Rivalry or the Red River Showdown. Showdown. Okay, yes. I guess they tried to eliminate the sh- – okay, forget about that. So, <laughs> Texas plus eight against Oklahoma. Listen, I know Oklahoma's been a monster the last four years, whether it's Stoops or Riley. They're always in the playoff mix. This series has been close. Last four games decided by seven or less – and Texas went into each of those games unranked. I get it. Kyler Murray is, you know, potential Heisman candidate. He's putting up video game numbers. I just, I like Tom Herman as a big underdog. I'm taking the eight points. Producer Conrad, do you have a thought on that game? Hammer the under, people. Okay, the under is going to be a big play. He's a sharp college football guy. And he says hit the under. You've got some smart uh, support on your side, though. Our, our friend Joel Klatt went on Lock It In yesterday and said that he thinks Oklahoma might be in for a shocking Red River Showdown Ooh, result. So. I like that, Klatt. Thank you very much. All right, next up, LSU favored by three at Florida. This is the one producer Conrad absolutely hates. And I know it. I know the professionals are going to be on Florida. I totally get that, Okay. But I do think people are underestimating LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, the Ohio State transfer. He's already becoming a legend in the Bayou. I mean, this guy is really delivering. They had the one of the best wins of the season, I believe, at Auburn. Okay, and and the numbers guys do not like LSU. Everybody's siding with Florida. Dan Mullen, blah blah blah. Forget it. I'm riding with Ed Ogeron, getting through a favor. I'm sorry, Ed Ogeron, favored by three at Florida. I'm taking LSU. And the final pick, now this one, uh, you know, maybe you want to put an asterisk by it. It's for gamblers only. This isn't the casual better. I'm going Alabama in the first half, Lynch. First half at Arkansas. Now, here's the logic. First three games, Alabama covers 3-0. and They're just rolling people. Tua, just killing people, okay? However, Vegas jacks up the line significantly. Alabama has not covered in the last two weeks. And if you look at last week's game, Favored by an astounding 49 points. They led that game 56-0 and didn't cover. Saban's basically playing walk-ons in the fourth quarter, and yet I don't want to get burned on the back door. However, Alabama 5-0 against the spread in the first half. I'm only 21 in the first half feels like nothing against an Arkansas team that is not good. No pig suey. I'm going Alabama favored by 21 in the first half. That's the one producer Conrad likes, so you really want to tail that one. To recap. Texas A&M favored by six and a half. Arizona State getting two and a half. Texas, hook them, plus eight. LSU favored by three. And Alabama favored by 21 in the first half against Arkansas. Now, are you ready for some football? All right, next up, we're going to actually do an extra segment this week because the sporting events this weekend are phenomenal. We're going to call it Extra Sweat because obviously you'll be sweating it out Come Saturday, or even Friday, or even Sunday. Let's get started, Lynch. UFC 229, the big fight. Conor McGregor faces... I'm not even going to try to butcher his last name. I will give you the honor. Uh, But it's a big fight, and the public is obviously weighing in. You know the general public. They go to Vegas, big fight this weekend. Give me 20 on McGregor. Give me 100 on McGregor. Those add up. Your thoughts on the big Conor McGregor fight this weekend? Well, first, I think Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yeah. First, I think Khabib, and I am not going to try to pronounce his last name either. Um, sorry, Khabib, love you. Um, I think Khabib crushes Conor here. Crushes, he crushes Conor. I am not a UFC expert, uh, but I do enjoy my fights. I enjoy the MMA, and Khabib is just a monster. 
he is he's the incredible hulk come to life um so then it becomes when do i get my money in because that's the thing this is this is a casual bet for me i just want to get some skin in the game have a rooting interest on saturday night but i still want to make sure i'm making the smartest most valuable bet that i can at that point now it becomes about the public as you started to hint if say you're a connor backer you probably wanted to get your money in as early as possible, like when this line first came out, because Connor is going to be very public. And so you can count on his line coming down as more and more money comes in on him. The interesting thing is the public is kind of smart on this fight. The line started at Khabib minus 160, Connor plus 120. Earlier this week, that was down to Khabib minus 155 and Connor plus 125. So a little bit of value there if you're a Khabib better. Connor was getting, you know, slightly shorter odds. Okay. It's back up to minus 160 and plus 130 on Connor. So Connor is actually getting a little bit better price now than when he than he was when the fight first opened. So if you're a Connor backer, get your money in now, because that is not going to continue. The casual better is going to start coming in heavy on Friday and Saturday. Khabib's number is going to come down, and that's when you're going to get your best value on the man who is going to win this fight. I am betting Khabib here. I'm going to probably make it a two-unit play, Mm. and I'm not making that play until probably Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, where I believe I'm going to be getting the best value on Khabib. I could be wrong. I might end up paying an extra tax there. And that's, I'm almost gambling on gambling. I'm playing a conditional probability. I believe there is a percentage chance that the line will come down. And then based on that, there is a percentage chance that I will win the bet. And I'm comfortable doing that. I like that logic. So just for the listeners out there, if you like McGregor, you know, just know that the general public who doesn't follow this stuff that closely, they're just fans of him. They're going to come in on Connor. If you like the favorite, wait Wait for all that public money to flood into Vegas Friday night, Saturday morning, and you get possibly your best number, what, in the hours before the fight? Yeah, usually, like I said, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock is really the kind of the the time to make your money in UFC cards. Um, I don't want to speak too much to some of these other fights on the card because, honestly, I just don't know the fighters as well as I do Khabib and Connor. I will say this is going to be an incredible card. Get your money in on that main event and kick your feet up and watch this UFC 229. It's going to be a blast. Okay, so UFC is not the only interesting thing this weekend. There's also Major League Baseball postseason action. Now, everybody's excited for Yankees, Red Sox. You know, I myself do watch postseason baseball. I don't gamble as much on postseason baseball, but let me ask you. As a casual better who likes to get down some action to make it a little more interesting, let's say I want to say, okay, Lynch, I got I got a hundred bucks. I'm just gonna toss it on a team this weekend. You know, what would you advise given what you've seen in the markets and what do the numbers say? So this is an interesting place. Baseball, there's so much data out there, right? Because you get 162 games into the regular season. And then so much of it is meaningless in the postseason that has become kind of a crapshoot with one game wild cards, uh, with managers who are using their pitching staffs optimally and, you know, running starters out there as relievers. So you really, really need to do your research. And that doesn't mean spending hours diving into stats. Do a quick Google search and take some of those theories, some of the conventional wisdom that you've got built up over the years and see if it holds water. 
For instance, do hot teams in August and September perform better in the postseason? Is there some momentum there? Actually, no. The five hottest teams in each individual season over the past six years have lost more often than they've won in the first round of the MLB postseason. Teams that were cold, the the teams that came in with the worst September records into the postseason, have overachieved. They've won their next series 53% of the time. So that's one right out of the gate. Does momentum matter in baseball playoffs? No. No. Chalk that off. So if that's one of the ways that you're going to decide where to put your money, don't do that. (laughs) Okay. Another one, rest versus rust. If a, a team clinched their playoff berth a month ago and perhaps they've been resting position players, perhaps they've extended their rotation, does that rust matter in the postseason? It doesn't. In fact, in a kind of across sports, the whole rest versus rust thing doesn't really hold water. So if you're going to make your bet based on that, don't do it. Um, one that does hold in MLB, and this is the one that I would encourage you to look at, J-Mac, to get your money in. Okay. Fade the public. Oh, yeah. In the MLB. So it works in the NFL. It works a little bit in Major League Baseball. In the, I like in the Major League Baseball postseason, fade the public really, really works. And it's popular to say. So it's, it's fun to have one of those conventional wisdom kind of theories hold up. Uh, in fact... Fading the MLB public, that is teams that have been getting more than 50% of the tickets in the postseason, has been profitable since 2005. It's barely profitable, but that alone, if you just bet the team that is getting less than 50% of the tickets, you're going to make money in the MLB playoffs. And that's working in the NFL so far this season. Now, Lynch, let me push back a little bit. Would you say just blindly fade the public, or would you dig into the numbers and see what else you could come up with? So for a sport like baseball, where I'm a busy guy at this point, I don't have a ton of time to necessarily dig into baseball. I'm probably going to make that system play. Um, I'm also going to do some not so smart things. If I'm being honest, J Mac, I'm not a Yankees fan. I don't like the Yankees. I'm a red blooded American who doesn't live in the Northeast. Tune the emotions out, Lynch. Come on. Um, No, I don't want to at this point. So I'm going to embrace my emotions here and, and hedge. If the Yankees win the world series, I'm going to win some money because I've got money on them at uh, plus 600 to win the World Series. Ooh. And if they lose at any point, I'm a happy man. So, <laughs> and, and I want to you know, acknowledge that. Listen, we are looking for value whenever we can. Value can have multiple meanings. It's usually financial. It's usually monetary. For me, there's an emotional value there as well. Okay. All right, Lynch. So there you have it. Some UFC and baseball postseason chatter. Listen, we're going to cover it all. On this sports gambling podcast, tell all your friends coming up winners. We're also, Lynch, going to do some NBA futures next week. I know Lynch is a huge NBA fan. You guys know me. I'm also big on the NBA. So we will do that next week. Obviously, NFL will be the focus during football and college. But we will dabble in the big fights. We'll even get into boxing when necessary, right? So keep it locked here for everything. Finally... We want to close out the podcast with our money line picks. These are the ones where we're not picking against the spread just on the money line. So last week went well for me. I had the Cowboys on the money line. That cashed. Lynch did not do so well taking the Dolphins. Hey, it happens. You know, listen, we can't stress it enough. 57% is considered successful in sports gambling. Money line plays slightly different than against the spread. So, We want to offer this up for people who maybe don't trust the spread in a game. And again, these NFL lines are tight. So my pick on the money line this week, 
My money line pick would be the Jets minus 105. You have to bet 105 bucks to win 100. Here's why I like the Jets. The Broncos on a short week off the Monday night football game, they've got to come east for a 1 p.m. kickoff in the Meadowlands. Their body clocks will be telling them it's 11 a.m. in mountain time. Again, Vance Joseph, I cannot stress it enough. He has a terrible against the spread record. He is 5-13-1 as a head coach of the Broncos against the spread. That's just, listen, he's just not been very good. Broncos 1-11 against the spread in their last 11 on the road. And folks, I know Sam Darnold did not look good against a good Jacksonville defense. He didn't look great against the Browns defense in the second half. I think did lead that game 14-0. He also had an up-and-down game against the Dolphins where he passed for over 300 yards but had two turnovers. Not both of them were on him, okay? This is a Denver defense that is not what it used to be. This isn't your older brother's Denver Bronco defense with Tlaib and Chris Harris and Von Miller. The Denver Broncos defense, Lynch, has not forced a turnover in three games, okay? I know they look good against Mahomes, Uh, That was plenty of time to get ready for the hottest team in the NFL. I get that. Now they go east off a dispiriting loss. And they haven't turned the ball over. Haven't forced a turnover in three games. I like Sam Darnold and the Jets on the money line. You sure do. Um, Last week, took the Miami Dolphins, getting plus 250 against the New England Patriots. It didn't work out so well. So this week... I'm taking the Miami Dolphins plus 220 against the Cincinnati Bengals and my ginger hero, Andy Dalton. Listen, we talked Monday about some potential Bengals red zone regression, right? They're second in the NFL at converting their red zone possessions into scores. Um, If you look at just touchdowns, they're actually first in the NFL, even better than the Chiefs. Uh, The Dolphins, meanwhile, have a top 10 defense in stopping opponents in the red zone. The Dolphins' rate is something that you can continue. You can expect to continue. They're kind of playing at a normal rate. The Bengals are playing off the charts. They're converting on 87% of their red zone possessions. No team in the past 10 seasons has converted more than 72%. They can't keep that There's up. There's not a chance they keep that up. More importantly to me is the DVOA number. The, the Miami Dolphins are sixth in the NFL by DVOA. The Cincinnati Bengals are seventh. That's mm. fascinating to me, right? Those are two teams that, by this metric, are about the same, and I'm getting plus 220 with Miami. Okay, so let me let me stop you there and ask. So, Lynch, Vegas knows all the DVOA numbers. Why the heck are the Bengals such heavy favorites? And let me add, that line just ticked down. It's now gone down to five if you're looking against the spread because money appears to be coming in on the Dolphins, your side here. Lynch, why is this spread so big? The only thing I can deduce is it's an offense versus defense thing. It is a 2018 where we are in the rules and the the environment of the NFL. Because the Bengals have the fifth best offense in the NFL, 23rd ranked defense. The Dolphins have the 16th best offense, 7th ranked defense. So this really comes down to, do you have more faith in an elite or top-notch offense or a top-notch defense in 2018? I think there's probably reason to side with the offense. Offense, no doubt. Um, But getting plus 220, where I only need the Dolphins to win this game one out of three times for me to be profitable, I'm going to put my money with Miami. Yeah. Now, we should mention the Bengals had a big injury. That Tyler Eifert situation at tight end, he is a safety blanket 
for Mr. Dalton. I actually like what I've seen from the Bengals. Uh, I did pick up Tyler Boyd on my fantasy team. John Ross even got a touchdown, even though he got hurt on the TD against the Falcons. I, I don't know. I kind of think I've been looking at the Dolphins in the Super Contest, and I like your logic here. Um, I don't think any of the uh, betting public thinks that the Miami Dolphins are that good of a team right now, especially after, oh, same old Dolphins. They got their butts whooped by the Patriots. I think you're right. I think there's some value in the Miami Dolphins. Real quick, kind of uh, a second money line play because I'm I'm being aggressive this week. Oh, double. Very similar play. The San Francisco 49ers are 30th in the NFL by DVOA. The Arizona Cardinals are 31st. They're neck and neck for trying to be the worst team in the NFL, but I'm getting plus 172 with the Cardinals. Now, I mentioned I had some skepticism about Josh Rosen last week. He looked good. It's a one-week sample size, but he actually played better than the numbers reflect. Had some really bad drops. Um, I think this Cardinals team getting almost 2-1 to where, again, the numbers are saying these two teams are very, very similar. That's another money line play for me. I think that's a phenomenal pick, Lynch. I'm actually looking at Arizona in the Super Contest, and the reason is I just look at this. I'm like, how is C.J. Beathard favored by four over anybody? He's not a good quarterback. And, and people looked at that Chargers game last week, Lynch, and I think they were like, San Francisco's not that bad. No, the Chargers kind of came in the way the Vikings did with the Bills a couple weeks ago. Like, oh, we, we've got a bad team here. Let's look ahead. And boom, it was 14 nothing, 49ers right out of the gate. And other than Baker, I've been very skeptical of rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Colin Coward made a great point on our air earlier this week. Given that same rule set that we were talking about with Miami and Cincinnati, it's really making it a lot easier for rookie quarterbacks to come in and have some success. So based on some new information and a new perspective, I have to change how I look at things a little bit, right? You don't want to form opinions and then just hold them forever if new information says maybe that's not true. So always be learning, always be adjusting the way that you look at betting. Love it, Lynch. Great stuff. Folks, that is an action-packed podcast. Coming up, winners, we're going to deliver you as much information as we can to help you get to the window. Thank you for listening. Remember, subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Give us five stars. And don't forget the review. You cannot forget the review. We just gave out Moneyline Picks. Lynch wrapped up the podcast going with the Arizona Cardinals on the money line and the Dolphins on the money line. I went a little chalky going Jets, my Jets on the money line. Folks, thank you for listening. Tell all your friends. Remember, hashtag put up or shut up. Until next time, everyone, I'm Jason McIntyre. He's Andrew Lynch, and this is the Coming Up Winners Podcast.